Habits are who we are, and we get to choose every day who that is. What's remarkable about these women is that their habits are changing the world. Hi, and welcome to Habits, the good, the bad, and the holy. I'm Molly, and I'm sitting down every week with adorers of the Blood of Christ Religious Sisters to hear their stories and learn how habits have become more than a symbol for their vocation. They've become the means to which they change lives. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I'm sitting down with Sister Lorencia Kaler. Sister Lorencia, thank you so much for joining me today. I really am looking forward to talking with you. I'm excited about this. They tell me it's going to be lots of fun. It is. I'm a lot of fun to hang out with, if I do say so myself. You know, and you write your biography, uh-huh. and it's like, who, what was your influence for becoming an adorer? Right. Okay. I can always say that I had three aunts that were in the community, my mother's three sisters. Mm -hmm. Of course, they were an influence. But I thought of one that's really unique. My oldest aunt, Mm -hmm. mother's oldest sister, was an adorer of the blood of Christ, and she was a housekeeper. Yeah. And she had been missioned to a rural, out-in-the-country parish, Mm -hmm. Manchester, Oklahoma. Okay. Okay, the sisters that were the teachers were gone all day, and she was in the house all day alone, and she was a very introvert. Introverted, yeah. So she was not one who went out or had things. Mm -hmm. So her family, mom and dad and her sisters, they all were concerned for Sister Martha because she was so alone out there in the country. Mm -hmm. So she needed a Victrola. Victrola. Hey everyone, Molly here. For those of you like me who had no idea what a Victrola was, a Victrola is an early version of a record player. Um, If you've ever seen on old TV shows or movies, the record players that look like they have a big megaphone attached to them, that's what she's talking about. All right, now back to the show. Yeah. For some music or something for during the day. Right. So my grandpa... Mm -hmm. And my mama and two of her sisters went to Manchester, Oklahoma, and took a record, a Victrola, an old Victrola, for Sister Martha, so she could have music during the day. Mm. Well, of course, this is a distance from where they were, from Windhorst, Kansas. Right. This is Manchester, Oklahoma. You're talking about back in those days, you know, three hours or better. Anyway, you don't make that in one day. No. And it wasn't a place where you would find a hotel. Ah. This was one of those country places where if someone came and needed an out a place to stay, mm-hmm. you play you stayed at people's places. Right. Well, it so happened that my grandpa and grandma Kaler accepted to have grandpa and a couple of the girls and one of the girls that they that stayed at the Kaler residence was yeah. my mom. Oh my goodness. And she and my daddy kind of made a little liking for each little other. Connection with each other. And on Sunday before they left, my dad invited mom to stay for their choir park picnic yeah. in the Anthony Park, which is just south of just north of Manchester. Mm-hmm. But that was the beginning because mom and dad connected. I mean, they liked they each other. They connected because of the adores. So was Martha part? Did she intend for that to happen? I think no. she was part of the beautiful order of things. Exactly. Exactly. So, I would say that was my first influence. I love that. I love I that do so too. much. I never thought of it before. I mean, I've known it. Right, but you just And I never thought it. of it this yeah. way. And I've already had some fun just recollecting <laughs> a connection that I never thought of it that way before. And fun has been a big part of your life because you were a clown. For a while. How did you uh, come to be a clown? 
I came to be a clown because I was working in the uh, as associate superintendent of Catholic Oklahoma City Catholic Schools. Oh wow! And one of our secretaries was into clowning, uh-huh. and she got me excited about it. Uh huh. And it was enough for me to try it. So you were an assistant superintendent of a school district, and you took up clowning. Because the secretary invited me to. <laughs> what was your clown name? At that point, I was Marigold. Okay, Marigold. I simply took Marigold because I love Marigolds. Mm-hmm. Then what developed after that, later, when I was back at the center, the province center at that point in time, yeah. Sister Lucille Kirshen was also into clowning, mm-hmm. and I was into clowning, and I had an outfit. I bar- I got took my dad's old overalls, and I made. I was just an old. Yep. I was just an old. What do you call it? A uh, country clown, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a hobo. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I wanted to be. And, uh, but we were both invited to do a farewell program, yeah. farewell play. Mm-hmm. as a farewell for our outgoing leadership team. Right. So Lucille and I, we actually went to a class up north here in Wichita somewhere and found out about, you know, putting on the real nose, mm-hmm. taping, pasting it to your nose and, and the type of clown that you were and how you would dress accordingly. Right. She was more of a fancy type and she had a pink hair, pink hair, and she was... Had a white, I think, I think it was a white face. But anyway, she was a fancy clown, not a, not a, not a hobo. Right. As a hobo, I was kind of, you know, I had colored my cheeks and and I had green hair and I had my dad's old hat on. Yeah. And and big old shoes, and uh, I just kept my pockets full of candy. That's what I did. Yeah. And uh, but we had they had a program for us. They had a written script. Mm-hmm. And so. Then I became Troubles, and she was Sparkles. Troubles and Sparkles. And so I kept that. So after that, I was still always Troubles. Wow. So and Sad to say, at this point in time, I have nothing left, not even the nose. No clowning things left. I'm sure we can find a picture. Oh, I've got one. You got, oh, I've got a picture. I'm sure we can find one. You mentioned briefly when you were talking about that, that you were the assistant superintendent, which means, of course, that you were a teacher for a period of time. What did you teach? I started teaching back in 1954, mm-hmm. right out of college, mm-hmm. from Sacred Heart College, and I was teaching first grade. First grade. How many years did you teach first grade? You would ask. Mm -hmm. I taught first grade at All Saints for three years. Uh And Sister Macrina was, I was in a room next to Sister Macrina, who was a, what a, she had been a teacher for years. She was, she was my mentor. Okay. I say it always, she saved my life. And I think she saved the life of my first graders those (laughs) first couple of years. But Macrina, God rest her soul, was my mentor and got me started. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm always proud to say that one of my first grade students, who was also a second grade student for me, but is now Sister Nihilus Moser. Oh my goodness. So she's in community with you. Absolutely. That's so lovely. We're proud of it, both of us. So you taught for many so years. So then I taught first, and then I moved to another school in Wichita. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point I had second grade. I basically was always a primary teacher. Right. First, second, third, or fourth. Either mm-hmm. one grade or two grades. Or then I was in a country school, and I had four four grades. 
So you covered it all. I've covered it all. You're you're a bit of a jack of all trades. That's well, exactly jack what of my all that's what my daddy called himself. And I think <laughs> <laughs> I could say that. I've had lots of experiences. So I was teacher, and I've probably a total of oh, 30, 40 years altogether. Yeah. But And I ended up learning to really love and work with intermediate and upper grade students, As like 6th, well. 7th, and 8th. Yeah. And that was usually in teaching religion. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was something that being a teacher of especially little kids taught you? I always said if it had been the Lord's will and I had gone from being a religious to a married woman, mm-hmm. I think I would have made a really good mama. So this, I love children, mm-hmm. and I would have wanted a bunch. Okay. The children, there's there's such a trust about them. They're so open. They're so honest about who they are, mm-hmm. and they they're there's no fake about them. Yeah. And uh, watching them get excited about learning to read or do whatever math, whatever it was, it was just a lesson to me. Lesson all the way around. All the way. And you actually get to teach again. These days, um, we have asylum-seeking families staying at the center. So what do you teach the students in the evenings? First of all, I ask if they have any papers from school. Yes. When I say you have any papers from school, that they know they've got homework or they don't. Mm -hmm. So if they've got a paper from school, I help them finish that and do it. And a lot of times there's no way they could do it without me doing it with them and actually showing them. Mm-hmm. And I, I have them repeat sentences in English because they still like to use the Portuguese. They don't mm-hmm. understand English too well. They don't always even understand what I'm asking them to do. Right. Like erase that. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's a lesson really. But the dear little souls, I tell you, before we leave, when we pack up everything to go, yeah, I get a good night hug. Oh, good night, sister. They say it in English. Yes. God bless you, sister. Aww. In English, isn't that precious? That's sweet. They give me a hug every day, every night. So that's very special. But I'm trying to help them to gain. They're moving along with their number facts. Mm-hmm. English. Uh, reading, we haven't done much yet. These little kids, the two that I have, have not been with us too long. Right. And so they haven't even been here for the whole since Christmas time. Mm-hmm. I think they didn't come till March or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or was it maybe the late February? Could be something like that. But it's they haven't been here long. Mm-hmm. So. so after you... Uh, were a teacher, a principal, you became a, an assistant superintendent. Superintendent. Circumstances were such that I was teaching in one of our largest schools here in Wichita, St. Francis of Assisi. I yes. was there eight years. And how many students were there? But I was principal, so that's another story. <laughs> uh, how what? How many students were there? Um, close to 300, I think. Okay. It was a big school. It was a big school. It was one of my principalship Mm-hmm. experiences but my father's health they lived in Oklahoma mm-hmm. in Okarchi, Oklahoma and uh, my father's health was declining mm-hmm. and mother was the primary caregiver right and so it was like she needed some help too mm-hmm. and so I was I asked the community right about my mo- going down there working down there so I could be close mm-hmm. 
and be able to help my mom at least on weekends or something. And that's exactly, they were always very open to what those needs are. Just, right. I've always found leadership. If I asked them for, I'd like to be this or do this or that, they were always very open. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I was able then to be missioned to Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. close enough to where I could help out on the weekends. And it was through Sister Loretta Gagan, who was at that point in time, superintendent of the Catholic school, ah. Oklahoma City Catholic Schools. And so Loretta was also then instrumental in my getting a job as associate superintendent. superintendent. So I'm sure there are fun stories from that because superintendents, they don't oversee one school. They oversee a district of schools. Yeah, we had about 20 of them. So, I mean, what was that like? That's a huge responsibility. First of all, it's like being a leadership in community. You mm-hmm. learn to know all your schools. You learn to know all the other principals, mm-hmm. and you get acquainted with each one of the Catholic schools. Right. That's so terribly enriching. Mm-hmm. And and it was always very... I love to visit with people. I love to be with people. And I, I enjoyed going to schools. And right. I still have friendships because of that. Mm-hmm. What was the... There were fun things we did because yes. her mom uh-huh. loved to travel. Mm-hmm. And Loretta traveled with family, and they went. They did fun stuff together. My mom is a country lady. She mm-hmm. never went anywhere. Right. Never flew a plane. Oh, my goodness. So it was through Sister Loretta that my mom had her very first plane ride Aww. from Oklahoma City to, where did we go? I want to say New York. I think it was. Oh New York. Goodness. Imagine a country lady. That's who's... a bit of a culture shock. Oh, it was a culture shock. We'd get to the corner... And you know, in New York, you just got to go. Yeah. I said, come on, Mom, we got to go. She's only from Mokarchi, from a little, you know, more country than Wichita. Yeah. Poor thing. She thought I was leading her into death row. Did she enjoy it at the end? Oh, she did in the end, yes. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Anyway, those are experiences that were good, too. What was uh, one of the craziest things that ever happened to you when you were associate superintendent? Craziest things? Oh, my gosh craziest thing i'm at a blank right now because it was always you know you went from school to school and sometimes i got involved in doing curriculum work Mm -hmm. that was always very beneficial and working with some of the teachers who were part of the committee Mm -hmm. another thing we got involved in was looking at values it was part of our diocesan um plan for the schools Mm -hmm. and and just doing those and being having a successful day and not Nobody booted me out. Nobody went off the rails? No. So uh, I found out at lunch today that for most of your life, you were a dancer. Somebody was talking, huh? Somebody was talking. Honey, I grew up dancing. What kind of dance did you do? My folks, we would go, and my mother and dad, were they loved to dance, and we went as a family. Mm-hmm. This was back when you went as a family, you went to where there was a family that you you didn't just, it was like the hall. I grew up in a little country place called Danville out here, just west, about mm-hmm. 45 minutes to an hour west of here. And uh, they had a parish hall, mm-hmm. and I don't know how often it happened, but there would be dances, and the whole family, the whole the kids, everybody came. So... I, I grew up, mother and dad were dancers, and we kids were dance. We, we mm-hmm. danced with them. It was, could be the plain old two-step. or Then when we da- got down to Oklahoma, 
I got into the polka. Mm. Now, oh, I love polka. And and uh, there's the Czech Hall in Yukon, Oklahoma. And again, mother and dad always went over there every Saturday, yeah. almost every Saturday night, evening. And it's a family place. So we kids all learned how to dance and do it as a family. You do your circle. and you, I mean, there's, in, there's games. There are dances mm-hmm. that you do as a group. Wow. Or you can dance just the two. And, anyway, and, and even after I came to the convent, I didn't give it up. Mm-hmm. I still could go down to the Czech Hall with my family mm-hmm. and dance. And who did I dance with mostly? My sisters. I had two a sister next to me and two sisters next to me in age. And my sister Alice lived in Oyukon. And I love I could be the leader. And I would tell you we would really dance to the we could we could do the there's different kinds of dances, whether it's the shoddish or whether it's another kind. But anyway, I didn't give it up when I came to the convent. And we did lots of dancing right here. The polka. The dance The two-step. Yeah. The nuns that probably told on me today are the ones I danced with. Probably. <laughs> we had lots of fun. We'd do the Virginia Reel and all kinds of things. It was so much fun. That sounds amazing. And now, as I keep saying, that's one thing I cannot do anymore, but it's okay. I can still wiggle around to the music. Wiggle around in your, in your mm-hmm. scene. Um, I think a lot of times people assume that sisters don't have hobbies. Like, all you all do is just sit around and teach and pray and and have no fun. And, of course, I know that's not true because you I laugh all day with you guys. Can you talk a little bit about what life is like as a sister outside of going to mass and daily prayers, but what, I mean, just what's it like being a sister as like a normal human? Like now, even a day. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, as you say, it's not like you said, it's, it's not, it's not stoic. It's not, uh, 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 if I sit and read a little bit more or pray a little bit more, it would be good for my soul probably, (laughs) but I have to go do puzzle. Mm-hmm. Or I have to go to the computer and do some puzzle games on the computer. Right. Or I I like I love gardening. I love to go out and work in my flower beds. I've mm-hmm. got raised beds out here on the south of the house, and because uh, now with my disability, I always take my walker out, and mm-hmm. as long as I've got that, I'm safe and I can sit down and do what I need to do. But I love to work outside. I always I come in with my hands all dirty. Mm-hmm. I say, you want some earth lotion? You want some earth lotion? And some people will take my hand and they rub it and they know they're getting nothing but dirt, but it's earth. Anyway, so I love to do that. I do Sudoku. I'll pick that up and work on that. I love to do Mandela coloring. Mm -hmm. I've done different hobbies in the past. I used to crochet, but that's when Loretta was with me because she was my, she was the one who taught me how to do it and Mm -hmm. encouraged me. And I've almost forgotten how to do it now. Don't do it at all. So there's a lot um, going on. There's a lot going on. Prayers in the morning. I I have now the advantage of as as an older sister. Mm-hmm. I now am retired. Yes, but I'm working part time. So you know, you just never really totally retire. And what do you do part time? So what I'm doing part time is I'm pastoral care mm-hmm. coordinator for our sisters in Caritas. And can you explain which to is, the listeners what Caritas is? Our Caritas is our healthcare unit. It's a 22 bed licensed in Kansas licensed mm-hmm. long term care. 
right. for all of our for our sisters who need seven seven day, twenty four hour yeah. care. Okay, so in other words, total care. And it is housed in the same building with y'all, so it it's just on a different building. floor. So you still get it's to in, be together. It's in a different wing. Mm -hmm. Our our house here is three stories high. Mm -hmm. I live on second floor what's called B-Wing. Mm -hmm. Just south of there is D-Wing, mm -hmm. going north, going south. And that's where the 22-bed unit is. Yeah, behind two doors that have have locked doors. We don't safety, keep them in, safe. it's just safety. <laughs> I want to clarify it's, that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you would find that in any nursing home. Right. Anyway, it's just, coded for right. safety. To care for people who right. are having exactly. memory issues or, exactly. um, you know, just to keep track Right. Of so I have the privilege, I call it a privilege, of being back there with our sisters in Caritas. And mm -hmm. I say I'm working back there and praying with and spending time with a bunch of saints. Yes. They the... are such, oh, they, they are our elders. Uh-huh. They're very saintly people. They're just, they're very, they have a beautiful attitude. Some of them hardly know what's going on anymore, some of them. But they're so beautiful, and they're so holy, and they're so loving. And I'm privileged to be with them. Yeah. And if and when their health is such that they become confined to bed, uh, that's when my role as pastoral care, mm -hmm. I spend more time just being with them. Right. I think a lot of times, especially young people, can see um, the process of dying as something scary or um, uncomfortable. Can you talk about the joys that you get from providing pastoral care to, to aging and dying women? To spend time with someone that is aging, first of all, and they're still... You're able to even talk with them yet, mm -hmm. or they're able to move around using a walker or a wheelchair. They know there's a better place waiting. Yeah. And they know, I mean, their very presence, their smile, their, their just their handshake, their greeting to me each day, that's a gift. Right. Because sometimes it's like, I, want, I don't know why I'm still here. I'm already a hundred. Why am I still here? I don't understand. I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, they're ready to go, but they also know, and they'll tell you that in the next sentence, that there's a reason why I'm still here. Mm -hmm. So when someone it reaches the point, which we just experienced recently, as yeah. you know, we just had a death, mm -hmm. and I was privileged to be able to spend a considerable time with her, and it was a painful time because it was it was a very very hard couple of days for her. Right. Till we got her till we got her really comfortable and again with hospice care. Hospice mm -hmm. care is wonderful. And because hospice care for people who don't know or have never looked up you know, hospice is really the um, providing a place and comfort level where you can die in peace. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And she did. She died. She was the most beautiful. Just a, a level Because of she died lives. with such peace. Mm -hmm. It was a smile on her face. Yeah. Uh, so the adorers do something very... Uh, I find it really profound. When someone is dying, when one of your sisters is dying... You all uh, create a schedule to pray over that sister so that she's never alone. Can you talk about that process? Yes, we do that. We have we sign up, and the sisters in the house have they'll sign that thing up. We go by half hour, 
our hour depends on. We're getting fewer in numbers too, so, and for those who are able to spend a half hour, they can spend an hour, depending upon the status of the person that's dying mm -hmm. uh, through the night. That's there's not always, but we do sign up, and we try to. We don't want them to die alone. Yeah, it's you. You spend quiet time. You might be praying with them. You might, and not praying with them necessarily, but praying with them. Mm -hmm. And and uh, while they are, they're in the process. We you, you once they enter the dying process. Mm -hmm. I don't know. For me, it's a joy that comes over my heart, because they've earned heaven. It's. I mean, it's a heaven is a gift from God to us, mm -hmm. and and they're now going to be able to share that, and. I, I don't want, I don't wish for a sister that is dying mm -hmm. to just have more time just to be with me. No, I would not hold her back at all. Dear Lord, if you're ready for her, take her. Yeah. It's a remarkable thing to watch, um, especially for someone who's not a sister who doesn't, well, now I do because I work for y'all, but didn't mm -hmm. spend much time around sisters growing up. It was remarkable to to watch um, all of you come together, and just it was it, it was instinct. It was someone you know put a sheet and they made the t block times, and you all come together and choose who's going to sit with her when. And um, mm -hmm. it's a it's a privilege for all of you. It's a a a, a peace giving um, opportunity so that you know, your sisters never die alone. And it really is a beautiful thing that it I had is. never heard of or seen of. And it was a, I think a, a beautiful tribute to the sisters who are dying. So there's a question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. Obviously the podcast is named habits. Uh, our daily habits make us who we are. And so I ask everyone, what is your best habit? What's my best habit? Mm-hmm. Right now, my best habit, when I get up in the morning, the first thing I need is my cup of coffee. Right. And then I use that next 30 minutes for prayer. Yeah. That's my best habit right now. And what's your worst habit? My worst habit. Oh, my. Um, probably that I, I get too involved. I get involved in doing all these other things I like to do like going to the computer and playing the game or go working on puzzle, I can get lost in that and not spending as much time. I'll be real honest. I don't spend as much time with spiritual reading mm -hmm. or with just a centering prayer. I could do a lot better with that. Well, it's real family. Laurencia, thanks so much for taking time on your day to talk to me. I really enjoyed hearing your stories. Oh, they were wonderful. Thank you. It's been fun. Thanks for joining us. For show notes and behind the scenes, check out our website, adorers.org. Habits is brought to you by the Adorers of the Blood of Christ, U.S. Region. Co-produced by Cheryl Wittenauer, Lori Benj, and Molly McKinstry. Edited by Molly McKinstry. Thanks. We'll see you all next week.